This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, brought to you by East Lansing Info and 89 Impact FM. My name is Andrew Graham, and I'm here with Alice Drager and our now co-host and community correspondent, Chuck Grigsby, going with community correspondent kind of as a man on the street type title for Chuck. He came up with it to give him credit. So Alice, Chuck, how are you guys doing? Good. Glad I'm not on the street because it's slippery. (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So we are here today to talk about transparency. I know Chuck and I a couple weeks ago talked about police transparency specifically and in the context of the first meeting of the Police Oversight Commission. Today, we're just going to talk about it at large with the city of East Lansing. And the first point I'm going to get to is a story that's on eastlansinginfo.news as we're recording on this Tuesday about a litany of examples where we can't get public documents from the city of East Lansing for whatever reason. And we're not so much fascinated in the why all the time. It comes up on a case-to-case basis, but more the net effect that from somebody not wanting to do something awkward to maybe somebody just outright obfuscating, don't know, that the net effect is we're not getting public information, information that should be public. So we're going to get to that story in a second, but I think anytime we talk about this subject matter, it makes sense to kind of have a, a baseline of the law and what we're talking about. So Alice, this is where I would like to kick to you because you have a little bit more nuanced understanding of this than I do. So can you just give me the sort of elevator spiel on public records law and the Open Meetings Act and just sort of what people should be able to expect and get from their government in terms of public information? Sure. This is where I sing God bless America. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, in the United States, uh, at the federal level and also at many state levels, there are what are called freedom of information laws. And basically, those are laws that give us, the public, the right to see what the government is doing in terms of records. It doesn't allow us to see everything. So you can imagine, like, we can't see things that the Pentagon are doing with regard to preparing an attack, and we can't see active police investigations, and we can't see people's personal medical records. But it gives us the right to see quite a lot in terms of our government. And Michigan has a pretty good... um, Freedom of Information Act law, which the acronym is FOIA. I've had a lot of experience in this because before I founded Eli, I actually did work at the national level in medical ethics work, and I used the Freedom of Information Act at the national level to obtain materials from the Food and Drug Administration and also the National Institutes of Health. In fact, I ended up suing the government because they didn't give me what I was owed, and I have this fond memory of walking my son to Glencairn School one morning and walking next to Tommy Morgan, who now owns a landscaping company, and Kepler, my son, saying to Tommy, hey, your dad is suing the government for my mom. (laughs) So nowadays I deal with East Lansing mostly as do you, Andrew. So that's a very different kind of experience. And it's an experience that I think frustrates us over the years. You've been with us for many years now, Andrew, and you have a lot of experience with this as well. I've become less naive with every year. I'm sure you can both attest to that phenomenon. Oh, yeah. So getting into this specific story, and this gets into East Lansing specifically, I want to touch on the library first and foremost, because that's kind of been a a new point where we've struggled in recent months and days, weeks, any unit of time recently to get public information, get records. 
And more specifically, we have not been able to, for some time now, obtain the identity of who made a $1.5 million donation gift to the library under the claim that it's private. And we have not been able to see yet. Do you have you gotten a copy yet, Alice? No. <laughs> of We have not seen the union contract that was, I believe, approved by the Board of Trustees on November 17th, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And those are just both. One more, very much more clearly than the other, as I understand it, but both pretty clearly are public information and things that we should be able to get. Yeah. So just to explain it briefly. So the Library Board of Trustees passed a resolution, which is a simple document. It's a very simple document saying, basically, we approve the contract, but it doesn't show the actual contract. And so after they voted this through, I asked for a copy of the contract. And I was told by Library Director Kristen Shelley, no, you can't have it because it has some typos and we want to make the language gender neutral. And I was like, I don't really care about that stuff. It's been approved. I want to see the terms of the contract. And she would not let me see it. So I wrote to the union rep and I told them this is ridiculous because frankly if any institution should want you to see public information it should be a library in a progressive town right so then i asked the union rep and they told me the basic terms of the contract and i asked kristen shelley could you at least confirm the basic terms that i've gotten from the union so that i can get confirmation and she said no so for two weeks this contract has been in effect because it took effect actually retroactively when it was passed we still don't know what it says which is astonishing this is like as if the city of east lansing passed a law and then with a resolution saying we pass ordinance such and such but then won't let us see ordinance such and such so we can't we literally cannot see the law this is crazy so i want to pass it off to chuck here so you don't you're not just the man community correspondent in the corner um so chuck i know you we've sort of been passing back this information um already i guess i just want to hear what your perspective on this is i know you're not a you're not the gumshoe reporters like alice and i are but you're a person who in a lot of your work has pushed for different areas of getting more stuff from the government but i'm just kind of curious what what your perspective is on this yeah thank you um i think it's it's a system that um definitely needs to be um, renewed in a way that uh, is transparent and is cooperative with the people that of the community that are asking for the information and you know i just think reform is is a mandatory thing i know that um, at least in some of the campaigns it's been important in the past and i know that as community members and as a person who's worked on commissions that it's been vital to us being able to have reform and change within our government in ways that really, without that information, we wouldn't be very effective at all. And so for me um, and for the community, I think uh, it's very hard for sometimes people to get behind these issues because it doesn't really affect them directly. You know, when I hear about the library and the issues with that and the union contract and and being transparent, you know, people really hold the library very dear in their heart in our community. And they're like, well, you know, it's fine. It's, we don't have to worry about it. everything's all right. We don't need to know this information because of the relationships that they have. And so I think from a community standpoint, you know, unless it affects people directly, like some of the different things that have worked on, on the commissions, uh, it's really hard sometimes to get that um, political willpower behind it. And so I really think that, you know, it's like a pick and choose opportunity as from what I've heard and seen and dealt with, with working with the community and working with the government. So I definitely think it's very, very important that uh, it does get improved because it seems to be getting worse. It seems to be getting very aggressively worse in a way that it's just not cooperating off based off the law, but really based off relationships. 
Yeah, and I think when you say relationships, Chuck, you hit on something there, which is the question of who's really making these decisions, because it's not like City Hall is this building that makes a decision, right? So, so far as I can tell, the person making the decision on a lot of these things is George Lahanis, the city manager. And the reason I say that is because it's difficult for me to believe that when we send in a FOIA request that the city clerk, Jennifer Schuster, is choosing to deny us documents. I simply don't think she would be doing that. I think she's turning to Lahanis, who is officially named FOIA coordinator to ask him what he does and doesn't want to give us. And then the city attorneys, in this case, Foster Swift, are asked to give an explanation for why we're not allowed to have it, some of which are absurd, absolutely absurd. So in the case of the $1.5 million donation to the library, we were told this is a library record. Well, the FOIA exemption for giving us library records is specifically designed in the law. This is very clear to prevent somebody from being able to see what books you check out or what movies you check out or what services you requested at the library. And that makes total sense. Librarians honor the idea that people should be able to come to libraries with reasonable senses of privacy in terms of what they want to know about or read or see. That makes total sense. But asking for who gave $1.5 million is not a library record. It's a financial record. And, you know, as I played out in my mind who it is that it could have been, I have no idea who it is, but I could come up with scenarios where it's somebody who found out about the eBay land sale and was able to get on the inside track of that. Or could it be somebody who gets no-bid contracts in the city? Because there are a lot of no-bid contracts in the city. Or, for example, could it just be somebody who is a retired individual, but they happen to live in a neighborhood that just happens to now be getting sewers rebuilt? I want to know, did it buy political influence? And that's our jobs as reporters. So it's really frustrating to me. So, Chuck, you met me, I think, early on in your work at HRC as this sort of cranky lady who comes and screams all the time about transparency. I think we actually, in some ways, met over this issue. Yeah, I remember very clearly. I know we were first you know, getting started with my first major uh, concept of dealing with HRC was the police reporting and the reports they were given to us. And I knew and saw you there. And, and uh, I just was dumbfounded because it was really my first time going through that process about how little we were getting the information and how important it was to be able to have the information be sent out to the community so they understand. And then uh, we had those uh, incidences with the uh, use of force. And it really just kind of blew out of proportion when it comes to you know, how important and why, and then it developed into uh, the Oversight Commission and the data that came out of that. And that data that came out of that specifically was something that was very, very difficult to get. And when we did get it, uh, it was something that we couldn't really analyze. And so once we finally got that all out and open, we were really able to be very effective. So it's really amazing to me that the accountability that it comes with this in the ways that some of the denials of the FOIA requests have been done. It's been inconsistent. Um, you know, you, you got information before, but you're not going to get it now. And and so it, I can't imagine trying to be able to reflect that to the community and not getting the information you need to be able to talk about it. Right. Well, I think there's instances too of we've come across in our reporting and I here's Andrew talking about flooding, but that's been an issue where I think that's not, I have not been, I mean, I am among the people who wants to know more about what's going on with that, but I would say the people who want to know more are the ones who are still paying off sewer basement reconstruction and whatever else. And so I think there's a real segment of the population too, that in recent months has experienced the lack of transparency, like you said, Chuck, a couple minutes ago in that direct, direct way of the way Alice and I experience it weekly and daily. I think that's that's been an interesting thing for I, I guess to to observe because it's very 
interesting to see what will drive people to really come and push to get something. Um, and it's obvious that I think in hindsight that sewage backing up into your basement is something that would push people re- pretty relentlessly to find out what's doing that. But it's, it is that direct political will, like to use your words. Um, you know what I find kind of remarkable too? Lead anywhere. Go ahead. So the, the city set up this new system, which I actually love called the just FOIA system. It's a vendor product that they bought a software company to be able to track FOIA requests. And I heard, I don't know if it's true. I heard from him, somebody inside city hall that the reason they did this was to try to shame Eli to prove that we were the people filing the most exposed FOIAs, which frankly just makes me proud. It doesn't make me ashamed it's at all. It's not really true. It's our right. Right. It's also not true, but it's right. our right certainly to use FOIA. And sometimes we turn to FOIA because we have to. But the thing is, if you go into the just FOIA system, and Andrew knows this, while the city appropriately redacts people's private phone numbers and all of that, when you go into the just FOIA system and you file a FOIA request, they don't hide our phone numbers at all. And they don't hide our email addresses. And they, you know, it's all out there for the public to see. So you basically can see everybody's FOIA requests, which at some level you could anyway under the law, but under the law, they're supposed to be redacting private information like phone numbers and email addresses, but they're choosing not to do that. So notice what they're choosing to keep private and choosing what not to keep private. So they're choosing to keep private who gave the city $1.5 million, but they're not choosing to keep private what my cell phone number is. I just find that kind of fascinating. Well, and I think it's it's probably the type of thing where you enter it into this form and there's probably some consent box or something that I clicked once that allows them to do it. But it's like you said, it's the choice. It's, they could also just choose to not present that information. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I think it's a way of intimidating people into not filing FOIA requests. I'll be frank about that. Well, and the, the real truth is if you actually go through the just FOIA and I've done this a couple of times, about 70% of the requests are just these like generic surveying companies and and real estate companies just asking for swaths of property records and stuff like that so it's really not the bulk like the bulk of it is really boring stuff truthfully it's we're the ones coming in and making the surgical strikes for records um i wanted to talk about more specifically alice the functions of the city foia the sort of ladder that you you end up climbing about three rungs up on just to have someone put their boot on you and push you back down every time you file a FOIA (laughs) request. Um, So it basically goes, you file a FOIA request and... No, first it goes, the document ought to be public. It should be readily available for the asking. You should not have to invoke the Freedom of Information Act. You should be able to just get most of this stuff because it should just be available without a fight. But why don't we put the burden on us because... We can. Yeah. But file a Freedom of Information request. If it's approved, yay. If it's denied, it's either denied in part or in full. Um, they're often, usually the ones that are approved are denied in part because there's usually some normal redactions, like personal medical information or whatever else. If it's denied, you can appeal, and the appeal goes to is it formally in the city charter? Is it the FOIA coordinator who the appeal goes to? Or is it it's the It's actually in the state law. The state okay. says the cities have to set up a system. So basically our appeals now, because the city has cha- changed the law in 2019, now our appeals go to the mayor. Gotcha. So write the quick appeal or long appeal, and then mayor either grants the appeal or not. And then if they don't, your only option is really to sue, which... 
Alice, you can share the outcome <laughs> the last time we tried that. Well, the only time we tried it, we lost. Uh, Judge Wanda Stokes made a decision that I disagree with. We could have gone to appeal. I think we would have won an appeal at the circuit court. However, I don't have the money to keep chasing these things, nor do I want to cost the city of East Lansing's taxpayer money because they're paying for the other side, which includes me. <laughs> so, you know, when the law when the law was changed in East Lansing to make the FOIA appeal individual the mayor, that was Mark Meadows. And Mark Meadows is a lawyer and he knows the FOIA law. So when you were ramming into Mark Meadows at that point, he actually had the ability to think through the appeal. No offense to the subsequent mayors, but they've not been lawyers and they've not been people who understand that law. So that was uh, Ruth Beyer, who did also sometimes reverse stuff. But then Aaron, in quick succession, it became Aaron Stevens and then Jesse Gregg, both of whom basically, as far as I can tell, simply took what Foster Swift handed them, which was the same rejection we got at the beginning and wrote the same rejection and rejected us all over again. And that was it. And so to get anywhere with that, we would have to go to a lawsuit. And ironically, the person who represented us in that suit that we brought was George Brookover. And we had to cut ties with Brookover when he was running for council. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to show, too, the ways council can enforce transparency with the way uh, they hire. Chuck, you want to weigh in on this? No, you actually took the words right out of my mouth about council. Because to me, I look at it as a system problem. Uh, and the way that it's structured and the way that it's set up and the process you guys just explained, you know, you can really tell that that is not working when it comes to being able to understand decisions being made and why. And so for me, I just really think it goes back to, you know, our leadership and the expertise of our leadership. I don't know if council member Brookover is going to, you know, be a, a little bit more influential when it comes to understanding how that works. I know we have Lisa Babcock, who is also an attorney, um, but that didn't really change the dynamic as much, even though she has been a little bit more vocal. But now we have two lawyers, if I understand correctly, on council that may be able to hopefully um, start looking at reform in a different way, especially with uh, Brookover's, uh, Councilman Brookover's experience working on these issues. I, I just would look and expect um, some improvement in this area. Practically speaking, there's two ways that Brookover and Babcock could help. Because they're not mayor, Bacon is mayor, and Ron Bacon gave us a sort of frustrating response to my plea for transparency, which was, you know, oh, stop being grouchy. I think that's why. The word civility was in there. Yeah, yeah. It's hard not to tear your hair out when you've been denied. My take is that he wasn't wrong, but it missed the overall point that we don't care if, like, we're not here to embarrass people. We're here to just know what the heck Give is going on. my records. Right. So the ways that Babcock and, and Brookover can help, one is they can change the city's FOIA policy. So they can change it so that all FOIA appeals have to come before the whole city council. And if that happened, I really think we would see an improvement. That's what happens at the Ingham County Board of Commissioners is it goes to the whole commission when there's an appeal. And what that does is that cuts down on mischief in terms of the um, game playing with regard to FOIA because the staff don't want people coming before the commission over and over and over again with FOIA appeals. So they tend to give you what you want. And I think that that would greatly improve the situation we currently have. That's one thing Babcock and Brookover could move to do. And they only need a vote of three, a majority of council to do that. The other thing that's potential is if somebody does bring a lawsuit, they can move to try to settle it to give people what they asked for. But that is done typically in closed sessions. So we wouldn't be able to know if they were even doing that. There's a third thing they can do I was thinking of that you didn't name. They're hiring a new city attorney soon. Yep. And so they could give them instructions to be sure more. Yeah. Part of their sort of marching orders are to, you know, 
I don't expect, you know, I don't expect the city to just be, you know, here, come look through our filing cabinets. I'm not, I'm not expecting that. And I don't think any of us are, but just it, look at the law. Don't try and find some nifty reading between, just look at the law. And like, if I ask right, give it like, yeah, just give it to me. It's not, or if I, there's questions, ask me to clarify, say, Hey, we can't give you this, but we think this might help. It's. I'm not trying to have a fight. I'm trying to figure something out or know totally something. Totally agree. Every I single totally time. I totally agree. It becomes a fight when I can't figure something out because then I don't know anything and I can't do my job. It's just I, I've been in a couple of situations where I've talked to some community members where they had a personal issue with the government and they're seeking information and understanding um, or advocacy on their issue. And this process uh, has not been very I'm looking for the words. It hasn't been, I've been very cooperative it's been to say the least. And it's the stall tactic and it's the expenses behind it, the unnecessary charges behind it. And the reasonings for the denials are sometimes inconsistent. And I, you know, I, I know that we're not perfect in everything we do. And I know maybe this is not unique to East Lansing when it comes to transparency and government work, but you know, this is an opportunity I believe for us to be leaders and examples and templates for other places in a way that we are transparent with our community and we're really seeking information to give that information to our community members who deserve it. I know Florida kind of took it, but maybe instead of sunshine, like, like why not have a sunshine law? It's cloudy out, but I'm thinking about the sun right now. Well, that is what these laws are typically called is sunshine laws with the idea that you can, you know, have it be transparent and have the sun pour right in. And it is sometimes this sort of crazy game playing. So, I mean, one example is a couple of years ago, there was a major redevelopment proposal that went into the city and I wanted to see it so that I could tell everybody what it contained because everybody wanted to know what it contained. And I was told by the city they needed the full 15 business days to find it. Uh-huh. Sure. They don't know where a major $100 million development proposal is? No. That's not what the delay in the law is supposed to allow for. The delay in the law is supposed to legitimately be if you've asked for a lot of records or an old record and it's actually really hard to find, then the state law allows for that um, kind of delay, but not a delay of 15 days because they're claiming they can't find a major site plan that just got sent in. Yeah. In that case, they just didn't want to give it to me right away because they wanted to process it before I told everybody what was in it. Well, and under the law, I have the right to see it. There are plenty of times where I've asked for emails under FOIA, which we generally do get because that one's pretty cut and dry. But it does take, you know, you just somebody's got to track them down and say, hey, we need these emails. And that takes time. But yeah, it's. Well, and this is part of the problem, Andrew. I don't know if you know this, but in the city of East Lansing, the person collecting those emails is not the city clerk, really. The city clerk goes and tells the people whose email it is, hey, there's been a request right. for your records and you have to turn them over. But she doesn't go into their emails and grab it, which is really what she's supposed to do. So, for example, when I sued the government, the NIH under um, FOIA to try to get records of various things having to do with a particular medical research project, the FOIA clerk was empowered to go and actually pull those records, which is the idea. You don't want a conflict of interest where you're asking the person who might be embarrassed, hey, can you go pull your own records? The clerk is supposed to go and pull them herself, and she's not doing that. What she does is she issues an order, and she says, please turn over to me what you think is relevant. That's a problem. Well, you did mention the NIH, and we did say we wanted to get to it at the end. And we're getting towards the end, and I don't really have a good transition to it. So if you do want to talk about that versus... I think it's important to contrast, though, that, you know, every every reporter everywhere has struggled getting public records at some point in different municipalities. But I think there are, are examples, like Chuck said, of good 
places that do it really well. And oh, you absolutely. have an experience with that. I mean, we can give you a local example. So uh, Emily Joan Elliott, who's our managing editor, is working on a particular story, and it involves having to use FOIA to get the 911 calls to the Ingham County Dispatch from a few weeks ago on a particular thing. And so Emily put in a FOIA request, and the 911 coordinator for FOIA over there sent her a note and said, I'm not sure if you want like this big set of all these things, or do you want a subset? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to print out what we've got that would apply, and then you tell me which recordings you want. That's what a FOIA coordinator is supposed to do. So in my case with this NIH person, what happened was I reached a settlement basically with the government where they agreed to give me what they were, what I was owed to have. And they assigned a FOIA coordinator and the FOIA coordinator saw my home address on Sunset Lane in East Lansing. And she called me up and she was like, you won't believe this, but I grew up like two blocks away from you on Evergreen Avenue. And it was just so funny because, of course, Evergreen Avenue has been the center of my reporting life in East Lansing because of the City Center 2 project. So it turned out she had grown up right near People's Church. Her house is no longer there, not because of that project. But she was one of these people who asked me, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? And I could tell her, "Um, no, I don't need that particular thing. But yes, send me the other thing. And she would send me a block of stuff and sometimes include a note that would say like I think page 63 is going to probably be of interest to you that's what a FOIA coordinator is when they really believe in the public engagement when they really believe in the law they're like those really biggest most intelligent thing I ever did in college was use the librarian archivists and the librarians at Syracuse they just loved to find that arcane esoteric thing I was looking for and it's like, why I just why can't the city of East Lansing employ one of those people? Just one. Well, I think I think the direction comes from the top. I'm I'm not gonna blame frankly oh, yeah. anybody except the person in charge of giving the instructions on what gets released and doesn't get released. And I continue to believe that that is George Lahanis based on what I've seen in terms of the internal instructions. I think he's deciding what gets released and what doesn't get released. Right. Chuck, anything last thoughts before we get going? Yeah, I just, you know, the whole FOIA request, uh, I, I think it just sometimes has this unwritten stereotype of it's a nefarious process that you're trying to find dirt on someone or you're trying to, you know, expose someone in a lot of ways. And I think that's really unfair. Um, I really think it's a system that needs to be clear and purposeful for what it does and what it brings out as far as information and transparency. It's the only way sometimes that we can get reforms, it's the only way sometimes we can get uh, trust built up within the community um, when it comes to understanding what's going on with our government. So I really just wanted to say that out loud because it's not really about, you know, a group of people or a person trying to put someone out, if you will, but it's really about really understanding. It's really about reform. It's really about accountability. And I think at the end of the day that that also needs to be thrown in that little stereotype as well. I totally agree that it's about accountability. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, the overall culture of transparency is the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness, and it's cliche, but it is true of if you can't know what your elected officials and the people who are paid to do the work of the people are doing, you can't hold them accountable for it if you don't even know what they're doing in the first place. And in place. the case of police FOIAs, the po- people who have the ability that nobody else in this country has, which is to detain us without our consent. It is incredibly important that the message from the top in a city like ours is to the police department as well as everybody else that we have the right to know what's going on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But then again, that's why we do what we do. So we're running out of time here. I want to thank you both for uh, coming on here and talking on this gloomy gloomy tuesday afternoon uh chuck alice thanks for coming on thanks andrew thanks chuck 
This has been another episode of the East Lansing Insider, brought to you by East Lansing Info and 89 Impact FM. I'm Andrew Graham, and thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89 FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.